Welcome to the Quadring Podcast for Wednesday, the 7th of December. First up, Elon Musk sets trap for FBI rat and fires him after massive findings. Last night, it was revealed uh, via Elon Musk and Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss that there was a reason why there were no more Twitter updates, no more updates to the, quote, Twitter files over the weekend. And it turns out they had a rat among them. Now, there's an interesting spin to all this story today, including a possibility that Elon Musk set the rat trap and was able to snare said rat. Uh, and also some serious questions about exactly why or how long or at what capacity the Federal Bureau of Investigation was interfacing with Twitter. Now, it started with this last night. We live streamed. If there is a new Twitter drop tonight, I predict there will be. I will be live streaming on this channel the moment we find out about it as well. Thread, Twitter file supplemental. On Friday, the first installment of the Twitter files was published here. We expected to publish more over the weekend. Many wondered why there was a delay. We can now tell you that part of the reason why on Tuesday, Twitter Deputy General Counsel and former FBI General Counsel Jim Baker was fired. Among the reasons, vetting the first batch of the Twitter files without the knowledge of new management, meaning in the very files that were sent to these reporters about possible collusion with the FBI and other agencies, a former FBI agent or general counsel lawyer, who we'll find out later, uh, was pushed out in disgrace, was vetting them. What was exactly removed? I suspect we'll find out today. The process for producing the Twitter files involved delivery of two, two, two journalists, Barry Weiss and me, by a, a lawyer close to the new management. However, after the initial batch, things became complicated. Over the weekend, while we both dealt with obstacles to new searches, it was Barry Weiss who discovered the person in charge of releasing the files was someone named Jim. When she called to ask Jim's last name, the answer was Jim Baker. Quote, my jaw hit the floor, said Weiss. The first batch of both files reporters received was marked Spectra Baker emails. Baker is a controversial figure. He had been something of a zealot of FBI controversies dating back to 2016, from the Steele dossier, which was fake garbage, to the Alpha server mess. Also, again, anti-Trump propaganda propagated by the FBI. He resigned in 2018 after an investigation into leaks to the press. Of course, he did that. The news that Baker was reviewing the quote Twitter file surprised everyone involved, to say the least. The new Twitter chief, Elon Musk, acted quickly to fire Baker Tuesday. Reporters resumed searches through the Twitter files, a lot of it today. That was last night. The next installment of the Twitter files will appear on Barry Weiss's uh, feed. Stay tuned. Now, what Eric Weinstein reacted to this is, I can't quite believe what I'm reading, so let's go slow. The FBI's former attorney was hired by previous Twitter management and was the one vetting the files to be given to the reporters that might reveal FBI collusion. And the new owner, Elon Musk, was not told about any of this. Hmm. Interesting. Elon Musk then replied, only discovered this on Sunday. Now, I'm believing, I'm going to tell you about James Baker from an article shared by Matt Taibbi. But what's interesting to me is... You had perhaps a trap set. Jack Pasovic writes, James Baker was the FBI's asset at Twitter and scrubbed the Twitter files before Matt Taibbi received them. 
He had just been escorted from Twitter HQ, and you wondered why there were no references found to the FBI and the president's son's laptop. I found this old screenshot, or a screenshot was shared to me last night from a follower, going all the way back to April. Mike Cernovich tweets, Twitter lawyer Jim Baker, when general counsel was when general counsel of the FBI personally arranged a meeting between the FBI and Michael Sussman. In the meeting, Sussman presented fabricated evidence in the Alpha Bank matter. Elon Musk, this is who is inside Twitter. He facilitated fraud. Elon Musk replied back in April. Sounds pretty bad. So did Elon Musk set a trap? Because if we look back, this is a guy that a few years ago, there was a leaker at Tesla. This is how he caught them. This is quite an interesting story. We sent what appeared to be identical emails to all, but each was actually coded with either one or two spaces between sentences, forming a binary signature that identified the leaker. So Elon is not screwing around when it comes to understanding people that, you know, people that may be leaking stuff. Uh, Eliza uh, Blue says, bruh, you had the whole FBI in old Twitter and you still didn't deal with the child stuff uh, at any type of scale. Good question. New York Post covers, Elon Musk fires Twitter lawyer James Baker over suppression of documents. I mean, what we're, hopefully we'll find out today. What I'm really interested in is what the difference, what the files, what files were requested and what were received. That delta between that tells us what Jim Baker or uh, the rat, James Baker, uh, potentially scrubbed out. Maybe it was nothing. I, I don't think anyone believes it would be nothing, but maybe. Elon Musk has fired Twitter's deputy general counsel, James Baker, over his alleged suppression, suppression of internal documents while blocking the Post's uh, story. In light of concerns about Baker's possible role in suppression of information important to public dialogue, he was exited from Twitter today, Musk tweeted Tuesday. Musk added that he questioned Baker before his firing of the events surrounding the laptop suppression scandal, and the lawyer's explanation was, quote, unconvincing. Baker, a former top FBI lawyer, was discovered to be secretly vetting the internal letter documents before they could be reviewed by journalists, leading to a delay in the release of more material of the company's censorship scandal. On Friday, the first installment of Twitter files was published here. That's Matt Taibbi. We expect to publish more over the weekend. Many wonder why there was a delay. We talked about that. Then we would need to talk about the process for producing the Twitter files. We talked about that. Now, what we need to talk about is the FBI agent, by the way, FBI agents as the Bureau met weekly with social media giants before the 2020 election, report says, after Trump ally Sebastian Gorka admits he's deeply underwhelmed by Elon Musk's Twitter expose. Now, again, I wonder why you were underwhelmed, Mr. Sebastian Gorka. Maybe because all the juicy stuff was getting filtered out by the FBI lawyer. Some said... He never left the uh, FBI. He was merely reassigned. So far, I'm deeply dis underwhelmed. We know that the Dems in D.C. collude with Dems in Palo Alto. Big whoop. Need a paper trail of felonies. Elon better have that. Um, I think that that's a crap take for Sebastian Gorka to have. I deeply disagree with it. And uh, I think that it's important that even if nobody goes to jail here, that the American people, the people around the world, 
see what their social media companies are up to and more investigations get launched and more questions get asked and more and more um, trust gets eroded. This is not an all or nothing scenario and people treating it as such, I think, are setting themselves up for failure. The Twitter FBI and the First Amendment. Here's a really interesting part. There are more documents than just Musk is erratically releasing. Turns out there is a complaint to the Federal Election Commission concerning Twitter's actions dating back from October 2020. When the New York Post story was published, complaining a group was Tea Party Patriots Foundations was alleged that by censoring that article, Twitter had essentially made in, an in-kind contribution to the Biden campaign. The group lost the complaint, but as part of the process, Twitter's chief censor, Yoel Roth, his actual title was head of site integrity, filed a declaration with the FEC. In that declaration, Roth said that since 2018, he had regular meetings with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, Intelligence, the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, industry peers regarding election security. Roth revealed that in those meetings, a federal government official said that they were expecting some sort of 2016-style foreign interference. They were setting that up because they knew what was on the laptop. They had the laptop. Right? Everybody knew. Six Degrees from James Baker, an excellent article uh, on Jonathan Tur- by Jonathan Turley. Talks about who this James Baker really was. Baker had been featured repeatedly in Russian investigations launched by the Justice Department, including the hoax involving uh, the Russian Alpha Bank, when Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman wanted to plant the bizarre false claim of a secret communication channel between the Trump campaign and the Kremlin, Baker was his go-to speed dial contact. Baker would later testify at the Sussman trial. Baker also appeared prominently in controversies related to other related FBI allegations against Trump, which were all never found, unfound, never um, you know, corroborated. He was effectively forced out due to his role in reportedly found himself under criminal investigation. He became a defender of the Russian investigations despite findings of bias and even criminal conduct. He was also a frequent target of Donald Trump on social media, including Twitter. Baker responded with public criticism of Trump for his, quote, false narratives. He was a TDS guy, and of course, Twitter hired him, right? Of course, Twitter hired him. Makes all the sense in the world. So to summarize, what we have is what we saw was already very clear that a government, our government officials were uh, infringing on private citizens' First Amendment rights. Now, we have potentially a former FBI lawyer potentially covering up for FBI malfeasance. Uh, you're going to want to make sure you click that subscribe button down below. There's nobody who's more on top of this online than me. So it's my job to bring it to you. And next up today, Elon Musk Twitter leaks implicate Dr. Fauci because, of course, it does. This is nuts. Wow, it really is a small world after all, isn't it? I mean, I, it's just, it's like, this is like a, a crazy um, Jack Ryan story. I mean, I can't even really describe how insane uh, this whole story is, 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 is happening. Uh, now... Not only this morning do we have Jack, former uh, CEO of Twitter, uh, chiming in, but now there turns out that there are some Faucian connections at Twitter too. What a coincidence! It seems like Twitter was happy to bring in uh, anybody associated with 
the Democratic machine and give them high paying jobs to, I'm sure, totally just be like every other employee. I have some thoughts on this where like, you know, it's like these companies, these people like that lawyer, that rat lawyer, uh, you know, had this job at Twitter. But I think I suspect he had another job to do at Twitter. And now a connection to Anthony Fauci, a family member of his, also conveniently worked at Twitter during the lockdowns and during the height of the coup. I'm sure it's just a coincidence, though, right? Now, Charlie Kirk writes, it has just been revealed that Anthony Fauci's daughter worked at Twitter during the coup. Because, of course, she did. Charlie Kirk, now the article here for the post-millennial. Of course, this wasn't public. It was just like, uh, only came out during a deposition. On Monday, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt released to Twitter the full transcription of Dr. Anthony Fauci's full deposition on the ongoing case regarding social media censorship, in which it was revealed that Fauci's daughter worked for Twitter. Attorney John D. Sauer asked Fauci if he knew anyone that worked for social media companies at the time, to which Fauci stated, well, I've had communications with Mark Zuckerberg in the past, who was... I've done, I believe, three outward FaceTime discussions encouraging people to get the poke. Do you have any acquaintances? It's funny. The first question is, do you know anybody? And he talks about Mark Zuckerberg, not his own family member. Do you have any acquaintances, people that you know who work on social media platforms? So again, question. Well, a person who used to work as a software engineer for Twitter was my daughter, said, said Fauci. Did you ever, when she was working at Twitter, did you ever discuss with her the content of her of stuff posted on Twitter or social media platforms? Sauer asked, to which Fauci said, no, I don't believe that. Did you ever discuss with her the origins of the coup, origins of, of anything? No, she had no interest in that, said Fauci, who added that she stopped working for the platform over a year ago. Well, yeah, they got what they needed out of her, I imagine. Now, maybe it's just a coincidence. I mean, Twitter had 7,000 employees, Maybe his daughter was some sort of um, crack developer or programmer. Uh, but Elon Musk responded, uh, Charlie Kirk tweeting, it's been revealed today that Anthony Fauci's daughter worked at Twitter during the lockdowns because of course she did. Elon Musk, of course, writes, small world. Now, ultimately, like, I don't want to go full tinfoil hat on everything. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, maybe maybe they're like estranged. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't even like his daughter. Maybe his daughter doesn't like him. Maybe. But I wonder why she got the job. Certainly that came up in the interview, right? Certainly that came up around the office. I think that, the, the, that, that maybe there's a question or two there to be had. You know, given we see how Twitter, former Twitter used to like to collect uh, DNC operatives like their general counsel lawyer um, Vijaya Gotti who loved Hillary Clinton invited Hillary Clinton to the Twitter headquarters I think in many ways I guess this is just my opinion in many ways Twitter seemed to be operating like a de facto DNC publishing machine like just literally worried about helping the Democratic uh, Party that's how it looks to me anyway now Another person came out, and this is where, where maybe I'll divide. We'll divide our opinions a little bit on this, but I, I want to explain why I'm saying the things that I am. There is this pressure 
coming from jaded mainstream media people on Twitter who didn't get the scoop, but also people who want the information out there. There's like two different people sharing the same opinion, and I think they're sharing it for different reasons. Jack, former CEO of Twitter, tweets to Elon Musk, if the goal is transparency to build trust, why not just release everything without filter and let people judge for themselves, including all discussions around the current and future actions, make everything public now, hashtag Twitter files. A lot of people saw this and said, yeah, I agree with that. I think, you tell me if I'm wrong in the comments, that there's a different, more nefarious reason for this. Does anybody remember the Panama files? Probably not. A few of you, probably. This is an important data dump, but it was 11.5 million pages of data dumped at once. An impossible task to go through and really put anything together. People saw it. People talked about it for a minute, and then it went away. If you drop everything at once for Twitter, you're going to get a day or two, maybe three, of people talking about it, and then it's going to disappear. And three days would be a lot, right? It, that's what the media wants. That's what Jack wants. He wants it all to get out there so that people can just immediately move on. I don't want that. I want it to get drip-fed to the public with meaningful updates every single day until the freaking 2024 elections, okay? I want the American public to have zero doubt of the collusion that was going on behind the scenes. And by the way, I want to see what Trump, the Trump team requested to be taken down too. I'm not supporting if, like a lot of the narrative on our side, the free speech side is like, how oh, the Democrats, according to these leaks, the Trump administration asked similar favors. So I want to see what those were too. I want people who were unfairly targeted and banned by this platform at the behest of Democrats or, or Republicans to have enough time to gather legal resources and sue people, okay? I want uh, the world to not be, not be able to miss a single crumb of this story. That's my opinion. Now, the other thing is the practicality of releasing it. A lot of people are seeing this and saying, oh, you know, yeah, I just released it. Well, the reason it's going to journalists is in my opinion, right, is like, Twitter is not the government, although <laughs> it has been. So they don't have like redacted records all over the place and, and systems to redact these things to release to the public. They're not, they could probably enlist the help of WikiLeaks. I would probably support that. Um, allow WikiLeaks to, to help redact things and, and also share things. But a lot of this stuff, you know, needs context, needs to be put together you know, and like conversations in Slack need context. They need to be assembled so that people can digest them and understand exactly what they mean. And you need to redact what you need to redact so you don't get sued. I don't know if there's just a the Twitter files, like a zip file on the server that you can just release to the public. I assume that would open you up to all sorts of lawsuits. So I don't think it's actually that easy. Now they could spend time redacting all this stuff and then release it, certainly. And I think that Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe they'll do that. And again, all of this stuff happened under Jack's watch. So I don't really want to hear from him on this. You could see Stick's text and him say, yeah, Jack, why didn't you? 
right? Jack was there for years and he could have done this. Jack was, Jack gets no credit now for saying this when he was working hand in glove with the Democratic National Committee, when he was working hand in glove to 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 suppress and uh, to to remove our uh, U.S. citizens' First Amendment rights. Forbes writes, Twitter's co-founder, former CEO Jack Dorsey, urged Elon Musk to release without filter Twitter's internal communications about moderation decisions relating to a report about president, the president's son. Dubbed the Twitter files days after journalist Matt Taibbi failed to deliver any surprising new details. Oh, yeah. I love how the mainstream media keeps talking about how unimportant this is and how, enough, how much of a nothing burger it is while writing nonstop articles about it. I mean, when I live streaming the other day, I had 30,000 people watching. I'd say people are interested. By the way, I suspect we'll also be live streaming this afternoon if there's new files that come out. I think that also maybe some of the juicy stuff was filtered out by their little FBI operative. I think a lot of these people asking for it all to be released immediately, maybe they're a little nervous. Maybe some of their names are on these emails and they're living in fear, wondering when the next little piece is going to drop and they just can't take it. They want it all out on the table. Here's another reason. I think once it's all out on the table, it's much easier to spin, isn't it? If you release targeted nukes where they're tight, an irrefutable story, right? You can't spin that very well. Right now, the only spin the left has is, oh, it's all about uh, getting D-picks removed from Twitter. And, oh, it's a nothing burger. That's not really viable spin. People don't buy that. If you drop the whole thing, they'll find the one little thing in there. Like, oh, Trump did this too. And that'll be what the entire media cycle is about Trump. And you'll never hear a dang thing about the Democrats. So I think it's important to keep dripping it. And it's important for Twitter too. And next up, Instant Regret Woke actress claims she's the first woman ever in an action movie, Jennifer Lawrence. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen, uh, wait, since I've seen, no, Horatio uh, 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 this bird. No, I mean, uh, no, no, no. It, it, variety. Okay, so you know how the narrative or like everything that comes out is the very first time it's ever been out and you don't. Nobody's ever done this before. It's the first uh, gay main actor. It's the first gay main actor from Portugal. It's the first woman. A, everything's always the first, right? I just had the most nuclear take from Variety Magazine and uh, actor Jennifer Lawrence. I don't know if she acts anymore, but I do know she was one of the highest paid women in the world for some period of time around the Hunger Games. She literally did the thing. And the backlash was so bad that the newspaper had to retract the article, retract the tweet altogether. But guess what? It's the internet. And everything on the internet is forever. So the original tweet read, I remember when I was doing Hunger Games, nobody had ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie. That is a direct quote. A direct quote. Let me read that again for the people in the back. Nobody had ever been put. Nobody had ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie. Definitely didn't happen in Terminator, Tomb Raider, Aliens. I mean, it definitely didn't happen with, uh, you know, hundreds of female actresses. G.I. Jane before her. 
I, I don't even, I don't even understand Uma Thurman. Uh, what is like the quote, but I remember when I was doing hunger games, I'd never seen a moving picture or a movie. Sigourney Weaver, uh, Angelina Jolie and Tomb Raider and salt, uh, Linda Hamilton. Uh, I mean, are you joking? How about, how about Lucy Lawless and Xena warrior princess, Buffy, the vampire slayer, Ripley and aliens, resident evil, even. This is even after Resident Evil movies with Mila Jovich in them. Also, everyone brings up her convenient friendship with old Harvey. Are you, I mean, are you, are you joking? Red Sonia. I mean, what? And, and it was so bad, they deleted it. But you might think, is that the end of the story, Jeremy? Is that all you have for me today? By the way, make sure that you subscribe and then you, click the bell and make sure all notifications are on because if the Twitter files part three drops today and I suspect it will, we'll go live right away. We'll preempt all the scheduled uploads and then I'll upload them after the live stream. So you're going to want to make sure you get a notification for that. Now you could say, Jeremy, they didn't double down, did they? They didn't double down, did they? Oh, but they did. We were told, I mean, and by the way, she said the first, it was a quote. No woman had ever been in an action movie before Jennifer Lawrence. Do you even, if you close your eyes, other than the, she was a part of the fap gate or whatever, the fappening. I, I don't even think I could picture her. We were told girls and boys could both identify with a male lead, but boys cannot identify with a female lead. Again, doubling down they actually believe this she jennifer lawrence actually actually believes that she's the first woman to ever do anything in film i, I mean don't believe me here she's saying it i remember when i was doing hunger games nobody had ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie yeah. because again i know you're as shocked as i am I remember when I was doing Hunger Games, nobody had ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie yeah. because it wouldn't work. Nobody has ever done that? Is she that stupid? We were told girls and boys can both identify. This woman interviewing her should have immediately said, are you sure about that? Are you sure? The John Cena thing ripping through. Are you sure about that? And the replies are absolutely amazing. Let's see, how many times was me go through this? Undoomed, are you legit stupid? Have you not seen Alien, Aliens, Terminator, Kill Bill, Underworld, Resident Evil, G.I. Jane, Charlie's Angels, Along Kiss, Goodnight, V for Vendetta, La Femme, Nikita, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on. And they all came out before the Hunger Games. Like, are you joking? Congratulations, Jennifer Lawrence, on being the first woman ever. Also, Master of TDS writes, boys can relate to femaleies just fine, and I've been doing it for many years. What they cannot identify with is the, quote, strong woman character Hollywood likes to push on audiences. No one is truly able to relate to a character with no likable qualities or basis in reality. This is what I've talked about female leads. I've, I've mentioned this about female leads forever. When I have a, a, a you know, a 98-pound soaking wet girl punching a guy through a wall, I'm out.
I'm out. Like, there's a reason Black Widow works with Scarlett Johansson. There's, there's something laughable, and I don't understand it. The, the viewership is insane for this Equalizer show with, you know, 75-year-old Queen Latifah who's 80 pounds overweight, karate chopping people, karate chopping grown men through drywall. Like, no, I don't identify with that. It would be, it would be like the most ridiculous thing on the planet. Now, if you write a story arc where she has super strength or something like that, bionic, Okay, we can buy that. We can suspend reality. Surely, yes, surely this tweet, this will be another tweet that doesn't get ratioed. The first tweet, 90 retweets, 22,600 quote tweets, and 660 likes deleted. You dropped this. I remember when I was doing Hunger Games, no one had ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie. Literally what? Wonder Woman, how about that? This is a, something that like she actually said and then doubled down on. Even David Levitt, one of the worst take machines on the internet, Variety just deleted their tweet and unfollowed me. Why would they follow you anyway? You're nobody. The only reason anyone knows who David Levitt is is because of his numerous horrible hot takes like, Getting caught trying to shame a target manager into buying a one uh, to sell him a one penny um, electric tooth toothbrush because it was a, a display model that was labeled for inventory. He t he filmed that and uploaded it and thought it was going to look good for him. Is it Lamau? Y'all saw the heat and decided the original uh, delete the original tweet. How Ripley, Sarah Connor, Princess Leia, Wonder Woman, Furiosa. I mean, Princess Leia wasn't the lead. I guess you could argue. But plenty of these other women were. Are you going to say that? Are you going to say, are you really going to? I mean, Ripley was certainly the lead. Okay. You want to nitpick T2 and say that, you know, Sarah Connor wasn't the main character. I don't even buy that. Because if you watch the movie, she basically is. God, remember that scene where the guy is, uh, he's sitting with the, like the dead man switch. And he's, he's not going to make it. So he stays behind to take out the Skynet building. And he's doing that like breathing thing. So intense. We're like, <gasps> he's like slower. And then he drops it and think, I mean, like what a great scene that was. Um, but the, uh, you know, there's obviously on other cinema, there's plenty of women. Why'd you delete the first one? Laughs and Sigourney Weaver, you absolute clowns. And by the way, it, this isn't any better. They uploaded the exact same clip. This is Hollywood, and it's like apparently the actors and actresses actually believe this. I thought it was a joke. Like, there's that meme where it's like, oh, yeah, I was the first person to ever do I was the first person who was five foot 11 and 167 pounds to ever do this thing. And look at the interaction variety gets, by the way 3 million followers, 50 likes, 7 likes, 18 likes. I mean, what? And like the, every one of 40 likes, I mean, nobody, nobody gives a crap. And then they reposted this again. I've always been very self-conscious of my intellect because I didn't finish school. I dropped out of middle school. Jennifer Lawrence tells Viola Davis of her anxieties about not sounding articulate enough in the press. Well, that might explain why you thought there was no woman to ever star in an action film before you. By the way, nobody remembers the Hunger Games. 
And next up today, Elon Musk in shambles as real number of people who claim to quit Twitter revealed. Lots to discuss around Twitter, and we've got some other news, of course. But uh, this particular topic, I think it's pretty hilarious. Remember all the people that said that they were going to leave Twitter? Just like all the same people that said, I'm going to move to Canada if Trump wins the election, and they crashed the Canadian uh, whatever website, all this stuff, right? Well... How about I show you the real number of people that have actually left Twitter for Masana, even though I could show you more than two dozen mainstream media articles talking about how there's a massive wave of new people going over to Twitter alternatives. And the fact of the matter is there absolutely is not, has not been, will not be. And that's the facts, Jack. So we have this article from the New York Times. Twitter rivals try to capitalize on Musk-induced chaos. New startups and other social media platforms sense opportunity as Twitter grapples with changes from Elon Musk, its new owner. Now, I admit, there is a period of opportunity here. It started about, what, two or three weeks ago? Um, but as each day passes, there's less and less of it. Uh, as people just kind of settle back in, there's hardly anybody now actively searching for Twitter alternatives. And what's going to happen eventually is after... Elon gets done playing all these, you know, spy games, so to speak. I would assume he's going to, you know, start releasing new features, features that no other alternative is going to have, like encrypted DMs, like Telegram, um, obviously the long-form video stuff he's been talking about, and a whole bunch of other things. Last month, employees at Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, joined a virtual brainstorming session to discuss how to build the next Twitter. Among the ideas Meta workers talked over was more was a more extensive rollout of features called Instagram Notes, where people can share short messages on the photo sharing site with their followers and friends, according to posts of the conversation that were viewed by the New York Times. Others said Meta should build a text-focused app using Instagram's technology or add another feed to Instagram. Well, I can tell you this, most people aren't looking for more apps. They're looking for less, which is what is most interesting about the everything app potential of Twitter. Um, Twitter in crisis and Meta needs to get its mojo back, one Meta employee wrote in a post. Let's go for their bread and butter. A race is on to dethrone Twitter and capitalize on the chaos under new ownership. Yeah, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Even Vox. Here's a journalist website begging for money right now. Isn't that funny? People value Vox because our approachable work sparks their curiosity. They want a gift? Yeah, let's see how much this gift is. $120 a year? That's where they start you? At $12 to $10 a month? Hey, you know, I have a locals, the quartering.locals.com. I love your support and I'm not crap Vox. This is, we don't need another Twitter. Twitter never fulfilled its promise. Don't expect the current crop of replacements to either. Justin Halpern has more reason to love Twitter than most of us. The 28-year-old had trouble finding a writing job in Hollywood until he moved back in with his parents and started at Stuff My Dad Says, where he posted all the stuff his dad said. The account quickly went viral. Uh, by 2010, he had a book and a TV series based on it. And now he's an executive producer on Harley Quinn and Abbott Elementary. Twitter basically jumpstarted my entire career. But the account's been dormant for years, and Halpern doesn't tweet much anymore from his personal account. He went from posting daily to weekly to now most uses to just keep up with the news. 
Well, yeah. I mean, that's going to be the truth. I mean, that's mo what most people use it for. Here's the facts, though. Most people who have threatened to quit Twitter for Mastodon haven't left. Of the more than 140,000 Twitter users who publicly announced that they were moving to Mastodon, just 1.6% actually quit Twitter. Said another way, 98.4% of people that said they were going to leave Twitter stayed. Isn't that funny? Only a handful of Twitter users who have threatened to leave the social media network for open source alternative Mastodon have actually even deleted their accounts. Now, they may have, for, for to be fair, they may have, you know, left their account up and just, you know, not posted and become kind of dormant. You know, that's possible. But what's interesting is, you know, an analysis of more than 140,000 Twitter accounts shows that although plenty of people have said that they are leaving the site, only 1.6% have wholly abandoned the platform, which was bought by entrepreneur Elon Musk in late October. Quote, I'm not hugely surprised because I'm one of those people that still posts on both. I mean, there's absolutely nothing. See, this is like one of those weird topics where like, I absolutely uh, support using alt tech. I 100% support people using Mastodon. I think people should use it. I think people should use... What's the other one that popped up? Post. Let's get post gets a little spicy. Um, what's the other one? Uh, whatever it is, you know, I think people should use it. I think people should use minds. I think people should try out different alt tech and support alt tech. But it's always the the people that are announcing their departure that hilariously never actually leave. One point six percent. That's who actually left. And and who's gonna you know you see Mastodon's early leader, but it won't enough for most people. Prior to purchasing Twitter, Musk wondered if he should build his own version. He tweeted, it's a new is a new platform needed. After he bought Twitter, a lot of people started asking the same question. A number of existing platforms emerged as potential replacements, and there are more in the works now, including one from former Twitter product manager, from Jack Dorsey's co-founder and former CEO Jack Dorsey. Even Meta is reportedly considering jumping in its own Twitter-like feature, Twitter has copied some of its features over and has copied some of Twitter's features over the years. And while there's certainly an interest to an alternative to Twitter, that alone does not guarantee success. It's impossible to replicate the conditions that created Twitter back in 2006 because they no longer exist. The internet was a different place than it is today, down to how most of us access it through web browsers since iPhones have yet to be invented. Back in back then, a lot of what Twitter is now wasn't even a part of the founder's vision. Many of the features that are inextricably associated with Twitter today, retweets, quote tweets, hashtags, threads, and multiple posts were created by its users. Lots of features on Twitter developed as a kind of demand from how a particular community used it. You can create the technology, but you can't anticipate the community and what they're going to do with that technology. We also know the past attempts to create Twitter clones have not panned out. Several companies tried to capitalize on conservatives who thought Twitter was too biased, Gab, Parler, Getter, Truth. They've all had hard times attracting users and money. And some of them are little more than echo chambers with a side, vir a side of virulent racism. Well, let me just address that. Uh, yeah, they are kind of echo chambers. That's fair to say. Um, but money, I mean, Truth Socials had money come into it. I think they're doing like a public offering soon. Gab, um, I, I don't think that Gab's target market is everybody 
I think it's for a particular set of people and they like it. And I like Gab. Gab is the most secure, safest lock on free speech and a free speech platform on the internet. And when you have all these, you know, at least one platform hopes to capitalize on the latest Twitter Exodus post, which launched just a few weeks ago, is in very early beta stages. It's been out for a while with just over 100,000 users, but it's managed to attract some of Twitter's power users and a good number of journalists. This makes sense as journalists and people follow them appear to be Post's target. But it remains to be seen if Post will get widespread adoption and simply be another echo chamber. I can tell you right now, it will not. I've used Post. There's not a lot going on there. That's super exciting. Twitter is and will remain Twitter. I don't see a replacement for it, especially if Elon can add additional features. Now, if Elon stagnates, doesn't add additional features, absolutely could, could end up stagnating and being boring and, and have people you know not want anything to do with it. But the fact that nobody actually left, all those, you know, this isn't an airport, you don't need to announce your departure. All of those people, none of them left. And last up today, Epic Fail woke cast of The Office tried to cancel the show 10 years after it's off the air. This is a really bizarre story. Perhaps Mindy Kaling's failing uh, reboot of Scooby-Doo Velma uh, uh, isn't going so well and decided to drum up some, some press. But I thought, what a terrible take. And uh, as a fan of The Office, as somebody who I think understands why it worked, uh, as somebody who actually worked in an office, uh, also, um, it's one of the worst hot takes ever. And it's so ridiculous. What uh, I think what she means, so Mindy Kaling, who was a writer on the show, um, the, the role she played was relatively boring. The show could have would have been fine without her in it. I think she added things here and there. Um, but like she has written some of the better episodes, uh, but she's largely been a failure ever since. Uh, she's got continuously gotten big projects that just sucked. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Minnie Kaling says, The office is so inappropriate now and couldn't be made today. Most characters would be canceled. Really? What season are we in of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Season a billion? What season are we in of South Park? What season are, are we in in any of the shows on FX? What season are we in in any of the shows on Netflix? Um, that's absolutely absurd. Of course, The Office could still be made today, and it wouldn't be canceled. Uh, the, 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 the idea of Michael Scott being offensive was why he was funny. Michael Scott being so out of touch with what is PC, what is the general norms, is the joke. And it, to me, it's it's pretty shocking that she doesn't get that, that she wouldn't understand that. Because, of course, of course the show would be successful. Of course, the comment section's absolutely obliterating uh, her. And uh, you see, I mean, you see, if I had some, some sweet jokes that made me laugh out loud, is it, is, if that's true, I don't see, see, wasn't that the point, though? They all exhibited cringeworthy behavior and the audience knew it was over the top and therefore it was, well, funny. Lol, it was like holding up a funhouse mirror and seeing silly office behaviors we all know to be done but shouldn't be done. It's like you were on the show, you wrote for the show and you don't understand why The Office was popular. 
And the other fact of the matter is, I think maybe what she's what she's saying here is that she must have some level of regret, some level of some part of her wishes the show would have been canceled. I don't really understand. You see, Mindy Kaling reacts. Oh, this is the stupid backlash. We'll get to that in a minute. Fans of The Office are getting heated over Minnie Kaling's claim that most characters would be canceled in 2022. It's hard to believe that almost a decade since The Office wrapped, but in that time, society has changed. Things that might have been funny when the show first aired aren't so humorous now. Disagree. Does anybody disagree with that? I think The Office completely holds up, and it's still just as funny today as it ever was. Minnie Kaling probably has changed. Hollywood has changed. Cancel culture has changed. But comedy hasn't. Has Mindy Kaling put out anything remotely funny lately? As a writer on the show, she is responsible for some of the dialogue and episodes that millions of fans have watched repeatedly over the years. In 2022, Kaling believes that the show is, quote, so inappropriate now. She explained to Good Morning America why she stands firmly with the sentiment, quote, Tastes have changed, and honestly, what offends people has changed so much now. That's not a good thing. Kaling shared, I think that actually one of the reasons the show is popular is because people feel like there's some kind, something fearless about it or taboo that it talks about on the show. No, again, you just don't understand at all. That's not, what are you talking about? Nobody thought, nobody called the office edgy. Right, And let's take a look at her IMDb career. The Mindy Project. Anyone remember that? Never have I ever? No. The Hookup Lives of College Girls. Let's see. Ocean's 8. Yeah, everyone remember that banger, right? Ocean's 8. Let's pull up how that did in the theaters. I wonder. Hmm, let's just take a look. Um, let's see. Rotten Tomatoes for Ocean's 8. Let's see. Hmm. Let's see, 68% from critics. Oh, okay. 45% from audience. Interesting. I'm pretty sure it also lost a ton of money. Ocean's 8 box office. Let's see. Uh, 200, uh, $297 million against a budget. Oh, it did make a little bit of money. It did be a little bit of money. Look for you. Look good at you. Good for you, Ocean's 8. Nobody cared about that movie, though. Her beloved character, Kelly Kapoor, would probably have had a hard time in 2022, too. I think she would have quit Dunder Mifflin to become an influencer and then probably be canceled almost immediately. Actually, most of the characters on that show would be canceled by now, Kaling added. While she feels that way as a member of the cast and crew, the Office fans... Ruby, you're okay. Dogs are with Dad at work today because we're having some drywall work done because somebody who I don't really want to name... Uh, left a hose attached to the hose bib and it was zero degrees and then it burst and let all the water ex you know fly into the extra bedroom on the first floor i don't want to name names though you know one user noted it airs daily on comedy central for like six straight hours another account thinks that michael scott but not the others might be in trouble outside of the diversity day episode i can't think of anything that would be relevant in even today's political climate Though maybe it'd be considered unrealistic that Michael Scott hasn't been fired or sued by anyone. One Twitter user remarked that we've heard the story before from Sam Carre uh, Steve Carell and creator Ricky Gervais. Is it a rule that someone from the show has to say this every couple of years? The office will remain popular no matter how people feel about some of the comedy. But times have changed and the answer isn't so black and white. Fans are allowed to love a show while acknowledging 
that the dialogue and storyline might have been written differently in 2020. It would have failed epically. If Mindy Kaling was trying to write this show now, it would be woke trash. There would be a girl boss. Mindy would be the boss of the office. Of course, the it would be you know a strong, independent women of color who don't need no man. Half the characters would be gay, or Toby would be trans, and it would be completely unfunny, formulaic, modern-day garbage. Uh, I feel like they do this. They spin this stuff up every couple of years because they want attention and they want clout because they haven't really done anything um, of note since The Office. I mean, you don't see John Krasinski talking about The Office getting canceled every couple of years. And he's done. He did his Jack Ryan thing, right? Is it Jack Ryan? Yeah. And a couple of movies, but he's lar largely like, he's largely like remained unannoying. Uh, this is such an incredible, like, uh, self-own of modern day Hollywood and like modern entertainment that I don't think she could get it. I mean, she, I don't think she would understand it if I explained it to her with crayons. It generates clicks, I suppose. It gets people talking about Mindy Kaling. The show is so inappropriate now. In 10 years, I think it's just as funny now as it's ever been. I don't think tastes have that changed that rapidly. See, this is like a perfect example of Hollywood trying to dictate to regular everyday people what they're supposed to like. What's funny. It's why so many shows like died off uh, because they didn't get the network backing. Because it's problematic nowadays. It's not, it's not, it's not funny because Minnie Kaling says it's not funny. And that's why everything woke goes absolute garbage. But don't take my word for it. Just turn on anything modern day entertainment wise.